0: Hosting and bandwidth provided by the Blue Box Group. Check them out at bluebox.net. This episode is sponsored by Component 1, makers of Widgmo. If you need stunning UI elements or awesome graphs and charts, then go to Widgmo.com and check them out. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 59 of the JavaScript Jabber Show. This week on our panel, we have Joe Eames. Hi everybody. Jameson Dance. Hello. Merrick Christensen. Hey, guys. I'm Charles Maxwood from DevChat.TV, and we have a special guest, Todd Parker from the jQuery UI
1: team. Hey,
0: everyone. Uh, You want to introduce yourself really quickly?
1: Sure. Uh, My name is Todd Parker. I am a partner here at Filament Group in Boston. We're a small uh, web design shop, and um, I'm also the project lead for the jQuery mobile team. And previous to that, I was... Uh, on the jQuery UI team as well. So I'm both covered.
0: Did did I say jQuery UI? I meant jQuery mobile.
1: You did. I was covering for you though. It's okay.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Before we get too far into this, I want to make one announcement and that is, is that I've set up an Indiegogo campaign for the network of podcasts that this is a part of. So uh, we're trying to build a website that has all the features that people have been asking for. Mostly it has to do with search, and some RSS feed management stuff. So if you would like to support the show, then by all means do so. Um, You can do it by going to indiegogo.com slash projects slash devchat TV. And uh, I'll put a link to the show notes so that you can find it. All right, well, let's talk about jQuery Mobile here. Uh, I'm a little curious. I I mean, I played with it a little bit, but uh, I, I haven't really... Had to build too many mobile sites. So, can you explain a little bit about what the focus is and how it's different from the jQuery that we all know and love?
1: Sure. So, uh, jQuery Mobile started its life. Um, it's very similar in concept to jQuery UI. So, it's a that's a user interface framework that's built on top of jQuery Core. And so, and the difference between UI and mobile is obviously UI is much more desktop focused and mobile is mobile focused. Uh, that said, uh, jQuery mobile sort of from the beginning, we've always, um, sort of approached it as being web first. And so we never as a framework have tried to ape a specific OS. Like some other mobile frameworks out there. Uh, you know, we've always said, you know, it's, you know, we're sort of native to the web. You can certainly wrap mobile, uh, in things like PhoneGap and create a hybrid app. Um, but you know, we sort of have a more neutral, uh, webby look and feel to it. And we've also always, um, sort of embraced the principles of responsive design, which is the idea that, you know, there's a blurring of the lines between phones and tablets and desktop, and and that's going to continue to happen. So really, the holy grail here that we're pursuing is a a single unified code base that will uh, gracefully work across all of those different devices. And, uh, you know, so the layout and UI elements will adapt based on the screen size. And, you know, also things like user input. So we make sure that uh, mobile, you know, works with both touch events and mouse events and keyboard events and all those kinds of things. So, you know, sort of embracing everything that is the diversity of the web from the very beginning. Um, and we've been very focused on, you know, the UI side of things. So, uh, you know, we do all the hard work on making sure that we figure out how to make uh, the CSS behave, uh, which is really tricky across all these platforms. So we've been very focused on that as a project of you know, making sure that the UI works really well across really every device out there. If you've seen um, our device list that we support, it's sort of insane.
0: I, you, you totally stole my thunder. I was going to sound all intelligent and ask you about responsive design, so... <laughs> Aha!
1: You stole my yeah. thunder,
2: too.
1: I'm sorry, guys. We yeah, are so, thunderless now. Sorry, you are powerless. Uh, yeah, so responsive design is, you know, a really big deal. Here at Filmic Group, we're uh, huge fans of responsive design, and... Um, We've been doing a lot of work with our friend uh, Ethan Marcotte, who's sort of the the guy that coined the term. Um, he hangs out in the office sometimes here, and we work together uh, on the Boston Globe project, which is one of the the better known uh, responsive design projects. So, you know, we we sort of came into this project with that philosophy in mind. You know, so I think when we launched, a lot of people there were two expectations that were outside of sort of what we were trying to do. One of them was, hey, isn't why isn't this just a a DOM library? That sort of mobile centric, uh, so basically a replacement for Core, and uh, you know from the beginning uh, when John Resig started this, you know he always wanted to it, to be built on jQuery Core and not be sort of a competitor to that. Uh, there's a lot of stuff the Core team is doing to sort of make things um, mobile friendly with you know the move towards 2.0. So, so there's that happening. The other thing, the other sort of misconception when the project came out was hey, why doesn't this look just like iOS? All I'm trying to do is build an iOS app. And, and you know, our response to that was, that's great. Um, there are ways of making that happen. But, you know, what we've, I think, all learned over time is that trying to mimic to the pixel any specific native platform is sort of, you know, a fool's errand, right? So, um, you know, we we've always said, you know, we're going to be true to the web. And, you know, if people want to build themes on top of that that look a little more native, that's cool. And we have a quite a bit of sort of a plugin ecosystem out there around that, around plugins and themes. But you know what we've always wanted to do is something a little more all-encompassing, and that sort of feels right on a lot more platforms than just a single iOS app or you know an Android app.
0: Cool. So, what are some of the gotchas that you run into between the different mobile browsers? So, for example, you've got Safari on the iPhone. You've got I don't even know what it is on the Android. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember what it's called. It always just said Internet for me. Um, yeah. But uh, you can also get Chrome you know. or Opera for your mobile device,
1: or Dolphin, or UC Browser, or <laughs> Firefox. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's sort of madness out there. There there's a tremendous diversity in, in what's out there, and and the gotchas are, are pretty huge. Um, you know, I was going it, to
2: ask how different are the? Aren't they all? Basically, at least on iOS, they're all basically just WebKit, right?
1: Yeah, so iOS definitely makes our life easier. iOS doesn't allow other uh, rendering engines on its platform. So when you download Chrome, you're actually getting basically a web view with... uh, you know, Chrome look and feel. Although even in that case, Chrome has somehow managed to mess up quite a bit of things. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. We had all sorts of crazy things with pop state, and you know, are we use an Ajax based navigation model? And there were some really weird things that happened in Chrome, which is unexpected. I always just called it basically a toolbar, you know, it's, it's a fancy toolbar, but um, they did a lot of improvements to the web view somehow that broke a lot of pretty important things. So that's interesting. Um, yeah, so, you know, across the platforms, there's a, a, a lot of differences. You know, so if you even pick up your typical Android device, yeah, you have all of the typical renderers out there. So you've got, you know, Firefox... You have both Opera Mini and mobile, and and Opera is sort of interesting because if you sort of are looking at the desktop perspective, Opera has always been sort of a very fringy browser. Uh, but in the mobile space, Opera is really huge. I mean, we're talking on the scale of hundreds of millions of users. Uh, really? And the reason yeah, and the reason for that is Opera Mini, especially um, is basically uh, optimized for low powered devices. So if you have sort of a feature phone or a low powered smartphone, you're going to probably either have Mini installed by default or you're going to go out and have that be one of the first things you do. Um, and, and Mini is basically a proxy-based browser, so it essentially sends you a an encoded picture of the page, sort of pre-rendered on the server. And so if you have a low-power device, that you know speeds things up quite a bit. But as you can imagine, getting a picture is... You know, interesting from an interaction perspective, or when you're trying to do more advanced things like use a slider or have animated page transitions and things like that. So we've had to do tons of testing across all these devices, and you know, they're they're just very different and they're very buggy. Um, Android is really problematic. Android is the IE six of mobile. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny because the problems with IE six were that we were
2: stuck on this one rendering engine that was awful, and now seems like it's lots of problems, but it's from so many different crazy rendering problems from different engines. Can you talk a little bit about the challenges and approaches you use to dealing with proxy browsers? I know Amazon has the, isn't it Silk or something? The on Silk fire. Browser. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what do you do to to respond to events on a, a thing that's like rendered on the server and then sent down to you?
1: It, it's, it's sort of interesting. So there were certain things that we had to do for Opera Mini especially. So, uh, jQuery Mobile has a bunch of UI widgets. And one of the things that people also wanted that we built from the, the get-go was people really want animated tri- page transitions. You know, they want to click on a link and have something, the page slide to the side. And sure. so the way that's done is you need both pages in the DOM so that you can actually do the, the transition. And so when you click a link in jQuery Mobile, Uh, you know, we're using progressive enhancement principles. So we start with a link that goes from page A to page B. And then we have an Ajax navigation system that basically hijacks that link, uh, formulates an Ajax request, pulls in the guts of that page into the DOM, enhances it, and then does a CSS-based, uh, animated page transition from A to B. So there's a lot of complicated stuff going on there. And so what we found is that Opera Mini would do all sorts of weird stuff and a lot of it was timing-based, so you'd click a link and you get a blank page, because the server, I guess, was in the process of figuring out what was happening, and it was like, oh, time's up, time to send whatever I have. So they're, their server still is page. trying to render and, and interpret. It's still trying yes. to run the JavaScript, right? It tries very hard, yeah. I mean, it is it's it is rendering and running JavaScript, and it's doing all sorts of fancy things trying to keep up. Because the the promise of a browser like uh, Opera Mini is that You can go to a a full desktop site and operate it, but it's sort of, it's very slow. So it's like, uh, and the things that that are especially slow are things that will require a repaint. So even a simple thing, if you have like a collapsible widget on the page and you click on it, when that opens up, uh, it has to go back to the server and fetch either the whole page or that piece of the page that, that image of the the opened version of it. Um, so anytime you're doing user interaction, it gets really heavy. So there's a lot of things that we sort of did over time for many things like first of all, we kicked them out of the AJAX navigation system because there was all sorts of problems with it losing track of where you were. Um, other things like we originally with select menus, we have a nice pretty custom select menu and a sle- that would open up. And that was very slow for it to parse and very slow for you to move through it. So you know, as a default, we now you know when you tap on our pretty looking select menu, it actually triggers the native menu to open, and things that are native, like uh, the native select menu, actually sort of render immediately in Mini, so it's a lot faster. So, a lot of these things are little tricks to to take advantage of whatever native capabilities are there, okay, and avoid things that are heavy.
2: But basically, the answer sounds like a lot of custom work, or like <laughs> a every individual feature.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's the thing is, there's no shortcuts. And what we've had to do is just test. So we have here in Boston, I think, 70 different uh, phones, uh, tablets, e-readers that we wow. test everything on. So when we're working on a feature, uh, we'll have a theory about how we want it to work. Um, but we just do a ton of iteration. So and you test it out and see, does it work? Is it buggy? And it, these are and these are things that like you can't go into it like you would like server side and say okay I'm going to write a test for this and I'm going to write the code against it and everything's cool sure. like <laughs> there's a whole lot of you have to like
2: pick up you know. the feature phone
1: and run yeah. this stuff on it
2: yeah so basically like, it sounds like there's a phenomenal amount of man hours put into this
1: there is a huge amount of man hours put into this um and I think that's really the 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 value of the library is we we spend. You know, a huge amount of time, blood, sweat, and tears to sort of figure out. You know, what's that that perfect line that you can that you can walk that gives you something that works everywhere and works really slickly in, in a better browser. And we don't do a lot of hacky stuff, so it's sort of like, it, and that only happens by you know experience and a lot of testing. And so, if people are, you know, if you're a developer and you want to build a uh, a web app or a hybrid app, you can just pick up Mobile. It's very easy to use. And you don't have to worry, as long as you sort of stay on the rails, you don't have to really do a lot of testing, because you can assume that we've done a lot of testing for you. And I think that's why it's become very popular, because a lot of people just don't have the thousands of hours to sit there and figure out why select menus have stopped working in Android (laughs) 2.3. You know? (laughs) So So, there's a lot of madness.
0: So jQuery Mobile is kind of a mix between touch, functionality, and making things work on a mobile device. And then you've also got all these uh, UI widgets. So it, it's sort of like enhancing jQuery so that it works well on mobile and giving you a lot of the features that you would expect out of something like jQuery UI. Um, How much of it is is enhancements that would go on top of jQuery versus some of the more uh, visual uh, elements?
1: Mm. Well, I would say it's mostly UI focused. So we've added a few things like there are uh, you know, tools in the library that that give you orientation change events and touch events and things like that. We tried normalizing those. So there are utilities like that in the library. Um, and, but pretty much the, the majority of what you're getting with the library is a set of UI elements. So you have a full set of form elements, you know, sliders and, you know, inputs and all that kind of good stuff, and things like accordions and collapsibles and panels and pop-ups and overlays and dialogues and all that kind of stuff so the, and those are the things that you're going to get in the library is a lot of UI widgets that have been um, tuned for mobile and touch but also work just as well on desktop devices as well um, and you know trying to tackle some of the harder problems out there so for example if you've ever worked on a responsive design project one of the really hard things to, to get to work is tables right so imagine you have a Financial report. It's got 12 columns of data. You have to see them all. How does that work at 320 pixels wide, right? It's sort of (laughs) a really tricky problem to solve. And uh, at Filament Group, we did a lot of experimentation and some other people did. And as a library, we said, you know, there's two patterns here that we think are interesting. And so we built those as widgets um, in the last release. And so, for example, if you have uh, a table of data, you can either use a reflow mode. So basically, each column of data now at a small width, basically stacks. So you end up with the column header becoming a label and the cell contents becoming data, so it's sort of like labeled data pairs. So that works really well if you're presenting, say, a list of movies or stuff like that that doesn't need a lot of comparison across columns. And then we have a column chooser mode that basically you just start with a plain old table, you add one data attribute, and it will let you, um, as the screen gets smaller, you can choose which columns are most important and the lesser important columns will drop away and be hidden. But we inject a button and a little menu so you can hit the button and you can, as a user, choose which columns you want to see. So, you know, those are both things that are would be really hard to build. But, you know, we do a lot of the heavy lifting for that. So you can just sort of add one data attribute and, and tell us which columns are most important and now you have a fully responsive table. So that's what we're trying to do is really solve the harder problems that people would probably punt on if they had to sit there and invent it from scratch.
0: That's really cool. So one other thing I want to ask about is, um, let's say that I've built desktop full width application and I start doing some of the, doing some of the responsive design and things to it. What yep. kind what kinds of things am I gonna run into as I start plugging jQuery mobile into it? If it didn't have it before?
1: That's an interesting question. I think what we've learned with responsive design is it's always very hard to retrofit something that's desktop centric into responsive. It's much easier if you take a mobile first approach, which basically you start from the mobile side and you scale up from there. Your life is always going to be quite a bit quite a bit easier. But you know, if you were trying to retrofit, and there are a lot of people out there that have taken desktop sites. I think there was a, a guy I met that, I think he worked at American Century Bank, and they already had a full desktop website. It was a really complicated site. And uh, they were just conditionally, they were figuring out, uh, using a server-side detect, whether you were on a mobile device or not. And if you were, they were simply injecting jQuery mobile and, you know, their custom uh, styles, style sheet. And so it was taking the exact same content that was on their website and reformatting it, which is sort of an interesting approach. So um, that's definitely something you can do. I think the things that people find a little challenging when they're using mobile for the first time is because if you use all the features and you do use the, the Ajax navigation, you know, there's a little bit uh, of a different approach in how you handle things like scripting. Because you're not hooking into DOM ready anymore. You know, the page is already there and a new page is being pulled into the DOM. So we have our own set of sort of page level events that you have to hook into. So that's usually one of the learning curve things that people have to get their head around a little bit. But for the most part, things should just work. So as long as your site is built with pretty straightforward uh, semantic HTML, uh, just adding jQuery mobile and our style sheet will just sort of mobilify the whole thing. So what if you're not building a server-side rendered app what if you're using one of these
2: client-side MVC frameworks? Is that going to clash with jQuery mobile, or have you seen people
1: use them together with Angular or Ember or one of those things? Absolutely. So, you know, as a as a library, that's something that we definitely spend a lot of time thinking about. It's nothing just like how jQuery doesn't sort of get very prescriptive about which framework you should be using. We're trying to be neutral and, so, and let... Lots of people sort of fill in that part of the ecosystem, but yeah, there are a lot of MVC-style um, uh, adapters for jQuery Mobile already. Uh, Angular is one of them out there already. And if you go to jQueryMobile.com/resources, there's a, a really nice page where we tried to uh, collect a lot of these things together. So it's a very long page, but you know, at this point, we have you know, there's almost 15 books that have been written about mobile, and there's a huge list of different tool sets and frameworks that you can use with it. But yeah, there's a number of different um, MVC style frameworks that people have used with it. And the, one of the the little gotchas is, is, again, with the AJAX navigation, there are some settings that you need to make in mobile and, and how we sort of handle certain things. But they're all just um, a matter of setting, you know, flipping the right switches um, so that we play nicely with, the, with an MVC style framework. And, and a lot of people do that because when you're building an app, that's really where you want to be, right? You don't want to be rendering... Uh, markup on the server, you're probably going to be doing a lot of client-side templating.
0: So So. I've been working on uh, an application. We're using Mm Backbone.js, and I'm not sure if we're using jQuery mobile or not, to be perfectly honest. Um, I've I've looked through a lot of this. Anyway, um, I guess my question is, it has its own little syntax for the events, and the events don't seem to be working when we try and do a, is it start touch event in Chrome or in Safari in the emulator I'm running for iOS? Mm -hmm. So I think it, I think it does some funny stuff with jQuery's on function that you know creates an event on an object. But I'm just wondering, are, are there shims or things that you can plug into Backbone to make them work properly with jQuery Mobile? Or
1: maybe? there are, and I've, there's a number of articles that have been written about using Backbone specifically with mobile. I w- you know I would say the resources page I I'm scanning through right now, and there's quite a bit of. Uh, tutorials on those topics so it might be good to take a look at that first and then if you have trouble definitely let us know in the <laughs> <laughs> okay. in the issue tracker you know we're we're very active on github so feel free to log an issue
0: all right sounds good
2: so you work for filament you've mentioned yep. that a couple of times um are they supporting your development of jquery mobile or is it just kind of you you're
1: using it and you help out on it or how's that Sure. So yeah, filament J- uh, group has been volunteering quite a bit of time for jQuery projects in general over the last, say, five years or so. So we originally were involved with, uh, we were using jQuery UI quite a bit on on client projects. And so, you know, we were like, man, there's a lot of features we'd like here, and we'd like to fix some bugs. And we really want to rethink the way theming works. So we we got involved in UI and sort of did basically a, a whole front end re- redesign of all the widgets and the... The CSS and HTML, uh, and along the way, we we came up with a new theme framework and um, a web-based tool called Theme Roller that lets you create your own themes. And so we did that over the course of about two years. And and from there, you know, John Rezig asked us to to help sort of lead the mobile project. So that was three years ago when we started that. So as a company, we've been I think we've probably worked. 7000 hours on the project or some crazy amount like that a part of those hours uh has been sponsored so part of the project uh you know we get sponsors from uh, large corporations and things that want to support the project and that in turn sort of supports some development time at a you know a discounted rate so that's how some of the the folks on ui and mobile work and are able to work on it during hours so it's a little bit of a mix it's like majority of it is donated time and it's sort of different people here at filament group that plug in and um, so it's been, and it's been a really interesting process to sort of run a, a, you know, a large scale open source project like this.
2: Do you want to talk about some of the I mean you, you're such a huge project both in terms of number of people using it but also the scope of what you cover how do you organize it and make sure people are working on things that are useful and, and keep track of contributions and stuff?
1: Yeah, it's it's just one of those things. I guess we spend a lot of time in the GitHub issue tracker and looking at pull requests and things. The thing that you'd probably be surprised about is that the jQuery project in general is fairly small, and the number of people that are working on core and even UI and, and mobile are all it's a fairly small teams. So uh, mobile right now has probably eight people, sometimes ten people. That are, you know, day to day contributors. And then we have lots of, uh, help from the community, people doing pull requests or helping us with issue triage or just reporting issues. And so. Oh, wow. I thought it was a lot more than that. Yeah. It's, you know, it's a, it's a small group. And even that is fairly big, even by jQuery project standards. Something like UI probably has a smaller team than, than even mobile does. And so, yeah, the people that are sort of keeping all of these projects going, it's a, it's a pretty small number of folks out there. That are, that are at least providing the, the day-to-day, you know, eyes on everything. And so, you know, and th- that's why, you know, we are always out there seeing if there are people that are, that are fired up and active. Usually we find people on the, the, uh, the issue tracker that are, you know, working on a project and they're logging a lot of issues and, and or doing pull requests for things they've fixed. And, and we try to, as a project, be very open and say, hey, it seems like you're really active, why don't you come aboard? And we've had really good luck getting people, you know, that just were, you know, fired up and that wanted to help out the project. So I do encourage anyone that that wants to help, you know, reach out to us through GitHub, and you know, we're we'd love to you know, to have more contributions from folks. And you know, there's also a mixture of other things. Of those people that I mentioned on the team, some of those people are sponsored. Um, so we have uh, a person who works at Rim, who uh, works on jQuery Mobile part time. We have. Uh, a really great developer, uh, John Bender, who works at Adobe. Uh, he's been working on, uh, mobile full time. We have, uh, a person who works part time. He's from Jive Software. So we have some people, um, we have one person who works at Intel. So we have different people that work for companies that, that are using jQuery mobile for parts. Of their, um, either their tooling, if you're Adobe, or they're working on using jcore Mobile for products, as in the case of Intel. And um, so, you know, it's in their best interest to have somebody on the project who can, you know, make sure that it has good momentum. And, you know, my, my job on the project is, I think, just to sort of help sort of guide us and, and make sure that we're sort of on track in terms of listening to what the community wants and um, that we have, you know, a very regular release sc- uh, schedule and things like that.